Interested in taking a deep dive each week into a compliance or compliance-related topic? Then Compliance Into the Weeds is the podcast for you. Join Matt Kelly, the coolest guy in compliance, and Tom Fox, the voice of compliance, as they go into the weeds to flesh out a story which you can use to better inform your compliance program. Both you and your compliance program will be the better for listening to this podcast. Compliance Into the Weeds is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. In this episode, Matt and I continue our exploration of the Wynn Casino's Monitor Report. There are two sets of third parties here, those primarily in the supply chain or vendors to the company and customers. And we take a look at how each is different, how each have different risks, and how the risks are managed or in some cases not managed. It's a fascinating study. I know you'll enjoy it. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, the voice of compliance, back again with Matt Kelly, the coolest guy in compliance for another episode. Today, we're going to pick up on a theme that Matt has been blogging about over the past couple of weeks, and that is the WIND Monitorship Report, a monitorship report we rarely get to see. And Matt has been data mining it for some fascinating uh, information for compliance practitioners, CCO types, and uh, compliance functionaries. So, Matt, first of all, welcome. Hello, Tom. Good to be back. So, Matt, uh, as you looked at uh, this part of the WIN report, you you looked at third parties in a couple of different ways. You want to describe what you were uh, thinking about? Well, you know, I I love this monitor report because it's well over 100 pages. And like you said, Tom, you know, I when do we get to see these very often? Uh, so, there's a lot in here. And what intrigued me about WIN's uh, third parties and the monitor devoted an entire section to its management of third-party relationships, is that Wynn has, perhaps more than most companies, it has two very different types of third parties it has to worry about, uh, where they have the business third parties, I'll call them, so the independent contractors, uh, gambling promoters, um, other vendors, agents, and whatnot that have a business relationship with Wynn, I think most companies would say, okay, we get that. But they also have a very significant other type of third party, which are the actual customers that go to Win casinos. Um, Win likes to call them patrons. Uh, really, it's just customers and gambling people who show up to have some fun. Um, Win has to deal with both types of third parties and is very clear uh, in Wynn's own priorities and policies and procedures, and it's also very clear in the monitor's report, Wynn's biggest concern these days is how to reduce the risk of sexual harassment upon its employees. That's what gave Wynn the gigantic black eye uh, about 18 months ago when its founder and CEO, Steve Wynn, he was exposed as being a sexual predator to employees. He got fired. Wynn had all of this... Um, revamping of its organization it led to this compliance monitor with the Massachusetts Gaming Commission. Um, so Wynn has been thinking about how do we quell the risks of sexual harassment from customers who might be getting fresh with employees, and how do we govern our third parties, our business third parties generally, and also make sure that they uh, keep the risks of sexual harassment from business third parties also low, when that's typically not what you do when you're governing third parties, we tend to think about corruption and fraud and whatnot. Nobody wants a sexual harassment uh, harasser in their vendor pool, but 
you know, it, it's not the foremost priority for most companies. So they had a lot going on, and that's why it, it became such an intriguing subject. Well, Matt, let's start with uh, kind of part one of that, which is the business third parties. And you really went into a deep dive on not only what's required in terms of uh, background investigation slash due diligence, but the company's internal process for acceptance, de- declination, uh, or, or validation of business third parties. You want to walk us through that and what you found either uh, so positive or even unique about their system? Yeah. So Wynn did get positive marks from the monitor for its oversight of business third parties, which is not terribly surprising when you think about it, because casinos are always getting scammed by like everybody, including, you know, their vendors who might be chiselers or fraudsters or whatever, trying to skim off the top. And so the casino business knows how to perform due diligence on its business partners and understands that this is something that is a priority the company needs to get right. So they did a good job with that generally. Uh, they would screen against nine or, I'm sorry, 11 different categories of possible trouble with their third parties. And that's everything from information from gambling regulators about the vendor to negative media, litigation, um, fraud and regulatory breaches from vendors, all the usual stuff, but 11 different categories. Um, and the chief compliance officer at Win who these days is a man named Larry Whelan, who has been there since uh, November of 2018. He's been in the the top role. Uh, Whelan is in charge of making sure that due diligence is executed against all of these vendors. Um, And then you can get three different types of results. Uh, You can either approve, block, or indicate caution about a third-party engagement. Um, If it's approved by the chief compliance officer, then great, everything's fine, the deal is approved, the vendor relationship continues. Um, If it is either blocked or the compliance officer indicates caution, then management can still push to get that particular third party onboarded anyway. Um, First, the general counsel presents a description of that engagement to WINS compliance committee. And that committee must then vote unanimously to approve the engagement over the chief compliance officer's blocking or advise and caution. Um, Or let's say the compliance committee also doesn't give unanimous consent to this questionable third party. Then you can appeal it again. Um, but that is the at the unanimous request of the CEO, the CFO, and the general counsel. They all have to go to the board of directors to say, we want to use this third party despite an adverse ruling from our compliance officer and an adverse decision from our compliance committee. Dear board, would you please uh, let us use this third party anyways? So I really thought that was a pretty savvy and sophisticated way to do it because there's a lot of documentation that has to happen for things to get that far. And it, you know, it has to go through two levels of review. It goes all the way up to the board. And very clearly, yes, the compliance officer can be overruled, but it is going to come from the CEO, the CFO, and the general counsel. So the accountability for that decision gets hung around their neck rather than where was the compliance officer. There's there's going to be documentation that the compliance officer said, this might be a bad idea, don't do it. And then everybody overruled me and we decided to do it anyways. So I thought that was a pretty good, sophisticated way to have a solid process over third parties that does assign accountability to the right sorts of people. 
and also does give the com- chief compliance officer a lot of ability to say, yes, this one is fine. No, these parties are sketchy. Don't use them. So it, it all in all, it seemed like a very good, sophisticated, mature way to govern those relationships. And uh, I'm not surprised the monitor said so, too. And if I, if I could put that in internal control speak, it appears we have a control subject to being overridden, but overridden with additional reviews by a more senior management with appropriate documentation. From an internal controls perspective, do you find that system or protocol appropriate? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, as I've said several times on this podcast, talking about management override, that is a perfectly fine and normal thing that happens at large companies. It is just that the override should be warranted and appropriate. Says who? Well, says management, but there has to be a documentation. There has to be some sort of auditable trail of records, and there has to be a certain defensible logic in case that override blows up in the future and it turns out to have been wrong where management override really gets abused is when it is arbitrary and there is no documentation and nobody knows why management is overriding things the way that they are but if there is a process for the override and that results in a lot of documentation and a lot of accountability for who decided to push for the override it's perfectly fine and that's what we see here the other thing that struck me about the business third parties was essentially, if not ongoing, it may be even continuous monitoring uh, one or more of the data points that are evaluated when a third party comes before the chief compliance officer. And it seemed to me that they really took this kind of ongoing monitoring really up a notch. Uh, I think so. Again, I think that's partly traces back to the casino business's roots that you have to keep a sharp eye on who you're dealing with because they're always looking to you know, chisel you out of something or other. So, But uh, yes, they do have a lot of monitoring. Um, the report actually gives an example of that from the sexual harassment realm where apparently there was at least one third party that was onboarded even though some evidence had turned up that one of the employees at that vendor had some sexual harassment allegations against that employee. So uh, Wynn decided, okay, we're going to use this vendor anyways. And uh, on a weekly basis, the company is monitoring the same sources that turned up the harassment allegations in the first place, goes back and makes sure what is the latest that we know about that vendor's employee. And if it turns out that that is going to be a bigger issue, then Wynn is ready to terminate that vendor's relationship uh, because of the employee's sexual harassment that I, from my reading of it, looks like it didn't happen with any win employees or something else. It's just they turned up some adverse background material on one of the vendor's employees with something else in the employee's background. But they're checking it weekly to see if that's evolving. And then if it evolves into enough that Win doesn't want to deal with that headache, then they cut relationships with that vendor. And it's a good way to do it. Matt, it appeared that the management of uh, the patron third parties uh, was a situation where the written policy was not always carried out 100%. What did you see around the area or issue, rather, of managing patrons? Yeah, this was interesting because the Monitor Report says flat out, senior and middle management at the company are aware that patrons are the highest risk factor for sexual harassment and discrimination but have not yet identified an effective strategy to curb the offending behavior. And at a 
abstract level, it's really interesting because they're in the gaming and entertainment business. Uh, one of the company's core values is excellence in service for patrons. And there is this attitude and perception, right or wrong, that when you go to a casino, um, you can let your hair down, you can do all sorts of stuff. And that includes apparently letting your inhibitions drop and getting a little overly direct or friendly with some of the employees. Um, what the monitor found, and they, they did a lot of focus groups with employees to ask, what do you think of these company policies about sexual harassment and are they effective? So the employees said that a lot of the policies were clear on egregious behavior. So if a patron decides to grab a cocktail waitress's rear end, like, no, that is over the line. And the policy is very clear that the waitress can go and talk to a manager who will tell them to knock it off and then get security. And they bounce that guy out of the casino. And nobody said that's vague. That's unclear. They don't have our back for that. But they did. Some employees say that they felt less clear around harassing verbal behavior or I don't know what else that might be, but non-physical behavior and leering at the waitresses or staring at their chests or who knows what. Um, and especially for VIP customers, some of the employees felt like they were much less empowered to be able to address that sort of lesser category of behavior. Still gross, still boorish, but not as egregious as actually putting your hands on somebody. And uh, they, the employees, told the monitor, we occasionally run into managers who are like, well, there's really nothing we can do. And that, Tom, I thought was a big red flag phrase that we could talk about. Um, but anytime managers were saying there's nothing we can do, I think that speaks to a, a deeper culture disconnect or priorities disconnect. But that's what turned up with managing patron behavior. Matt, did you get a sense from the monitor's report if Wynn was using this information that the monitors have turned up to try to improve this portion of their uh, third-party program around managing patrons, or is this something that's really left to the monitor to try to solve? Um, no. So the monitor came up with a few ideas of how to change all of that. I do think that the uh, compliance committee at Win and the executive team at Win, I'm sure they are reading this monitor report very closely. This is an interim report after I think about six months into the engagement with the monitor. I'm not quite sure. Um, but very clearly, this monitor is going to be around for a while. There are going to be follow-up reports uh, one or two years into the future, uh, where I would be curious to see if any of the monitor's recommendations how they do get incorporated into company policy. And the, the monitor covered a wide range of issues with when um, we've so far have only talked about two in this podcast, but there's six or seven different categories, each of them with numerous recommendations that the monitor had. I'm not quite sure where Win is on implementing them yet. Um, but I wanted to go back to this. There's nothing we can do phrase, which when a manager says that to an employee, that suggests to me that the manager believes they don't have the discretion to act to fix a problem. So there's some sort of conflict in priorities there. Because if the manager says, I can't do anything, well, by you know, clearly the manager thinks there must be a problem that should be addressed. But I have some other overriding priority that is telling me I'm not there to address it or I don't have the power to address it. 
And really, I think that gets to a tension between respect for employees and excellence and service, which we have somehow translated as VIPs can say and do whatever they want and be boorish jerks, which is wrong. Uh, it shows that there's still some tensions in the culture at Wynn that need to be um, un, unscrewed, for lack of a better word. That probably came out a little bit more vulgar than I wanted, but how they have, <laughs> you know, there, there's a certain tension at uh, Wynn about these conflicting priorities that needs to be resolved. Um, the monitor had even suggested trying to turn this all on its ear that excellence and service means rousting these boors who might be getting fresh with the employees, getting them out of the casino because you're not there for that. You're there for some sort of high quality, uh, classy experience as opposed to some pack a day low roller who's getting some free scotches and decides to leer at the cocktail waitress chest. You know, they, that's the guy that you don't want and try and make it a culture of class um, that involves not having harassment behavior tolerated by patrons. Um, and then maybe even coming up with a code of conduct for the customers, which I thought was an interesting idea. But, uh, you know, we'll see how that goes. Well, you end your blog post with the sentence, I bet that would work. Do you want to give our listeners uh, any numbers on the over-under of whether that would work? I mean, you know, I, I do not go to very many casinos myself, but my understanding, and Tom, correct me if I'm wrong, is that when casinos do try and pride themselves on being a cut above the rest, uh, I have been to some of the more lowbrow casinos in Vegas in my youth, um, that, you know, if you want to try to reset the culture expectations for going to a win resort that it's much more closer to one of these classy sort of things that you would see in a james bond movie from the 60s as opposed to uh, like i said a bunch of pack a day roll low rollers who are just there on the slot machines for four hours and you know, their eyes glaze over um but if you can set a perception with the public of win is a cut above the rest then they will start to say, okay, so there's a certain code of behavior that happens at Wynn that doesn't happen elsewhere. And then you can try and, you know, like I said, it opens the door to uh, maybe coming up with a code of conduct for uh, customers. Then you can weave your harassment concerns into it. And, I mean, you know, it's, it's definitely it's worth a shot. Well, Matt, this has been a fascinating exploration of your continued data mining of the wind monitorship report. I hope that uh, you'll continue to think about it and, more importantly, uh, blog about it, and podcast about it. So I look forward to seeing what you come up with. Well, we got a lot more, Tom, so I do look forward to it, too. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of Compliance Into the Weeds. I hope you will join Matt and I again next week where we take up another topic, literally taking a deep dive to go into the weeds of a compliance or compliance-related topic. If you have any questions, you can email Matt at mkelly at radicalcompliance.com. You can email me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. I hope you will stay safe out there and make wise decisions in this era of COVID-19. If you would give our podcast a shout out on iTunes, I would greatly appreciate it. Compliance Into the Weeds is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network and a proud member of C-Suite Radio. Thanks again for listening. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.